in 2020, more than 100,000 women of color went missing. At least four black women and girls were murdered per day in the United States. Most of those cases are still unsolved. These are their stories. Hi, listeners. I'm your host, LB. Your Monday routine probably consists of you getting dressed, grabbing a donut and a cup of coffee on the go, and then listening to your favorite podcast, The Cost of Color, as you drive to work or to school. But for a tight-knit family in Columbus, Georgia, their normal routine would be shattered in an instant. Take this journey with me as I tell you the story of Ebony Giddens. Monday, March 12th, 2018. It started out like any other Monday for Alvin Giddens. He would drive over to his sister Ebony's apartment and take her sons to school. The Giddings family is extremely close. So doing things for each other was actually embedded into their lives. And Alvin helping Ebony with her three sons was no exception. When Alvin arrives, he knocks on Ebony's door, but there's no answer. So he continues to knock on the door. And then he begins to call her cell phone, which is going straight to voicemail. After several minutes of knocking and calling, calling and knocking, Alvin decides to call her ex-boyfriend, Roderick, who is the father of Ebony's two younger children. Roderick tells Alvin that he spoke to Ebony yesterday afternoon and everything was fine, but to sit tight because he was on his way over. When Roderick arrives, the two men continue to knock on Ebony's front door and finally it opens. Standing there is Ebony and Roderick's five-year-old son RJ and he tells his dad and uncle Alvin that his mom isn't home. The two men are confused. 27-year-old Ebony is a devoted mother to her three boys and never and I mean never, under any circumstances, would she leave her boys alone, no matter what. Alvin and Roderick start looking through every room for Ebony. And once they realize that she is truly not in the apartment, they realize what is sitting in the living room plain as day. And that is her purse. During their frantic search for Ebony, the purse was overlooked, but now that they've found it, they take a look inside and realize that her wallet and keys are in her purse. But just like Ebony, her cell phone is also missing. Alvin calls his mom, Lisa, who has not heard from Ebony So she calls Ebony's current boyfriend, Malcolm, who was actually at work. According to Lisa, Malcolm was unable to come to the phone and not willing to sit on their hands any longer. The family decides to call the police 
to report Ebony missing. Right now, you're ecstatic because oftentimes it takes days before a family member will report a loved one missing. But in this case, the Giddings family report Ebony missing within minutes of finding her gone. But you just haven't been paying close enough attention on the cost of color, have you? You see, the police arrive, but they don't suspect foul play. I'll give you some time to get over your WTF moment because I can't imagine a world where a mom whose every waking moment, both in her online presence and in real life, revolved around making sure her three sons were taken care of, but then totally out of character, decides to leave her children alone one night. And to the police, there's nothing wrong with that picture. Well, the Giddens family is not having it. They lean on the police and play the same sentence on repeat. Ebony would not leave her kids home alone. Finally, the police begin to take their concerns seriously and they conduct their own search of the apartment. Once they realize that with the exception of her cell phone, all of her personal belongings are still in the apartment, they realize that, yeah, something is very wrong with this picture. But what the police would learn over the coming days, in fact, what most of the Giddings family would learn is that Ebony has been hiding a terrible secret. Up to a few days before her disappearance, Ebony had been dating her current boyfriend, Malcolm Jackson, for approximately eight months. Her cousin, Lakeithia, recalls spending time with Ebony and Malcolm on several different occasions. And she stated that Malcolm was quiet, but observant. And Ebony was okay with this image that her family had of Malcolm because she knew that her family was protective of her and they would confront anyone they felt was mistreating her. So for several months, Ebony had been able to hide things from her family until one night, just days before she disappears, her secret would come to the light and there would be no turning back. Plain and simple, Malcolm was abusing Ebony. And while this next fact is irrelevant because no one should be abused regardless of size, I want to give you a visual of this grown man pushing around his four foot nine, 110 pound girlfriend. Yeah, Ebony was small in every meaning of the word. And while her size was not a reflection of her personality or the fact that she could hold her own, the truth is, is that physically speaking, Ebony was no match for Malcolm. When they got into fights, he would drive her 
to another town or even a wooded or deserted area and leave her there for her to find her own way back home. And just days before she went missing, Malcolm would take things too far by physically jumping on Ebony. He hit Ebony in the face, splitting her lip, and then he pulled a gun on her and told her that he would shoot her in the head. And thankfully, this altercation was the last straw for Ebony. She pressed charges and filed for a restraining order against Malcolm on Friday, March 9th, 2018. And then Malcolm was arrested. And even though he was able to post bail the same day, Malcolm was given strict orders to have no contact with Ebony. But that went in one ear and out the other because Malcolm called and texted Ebony from the moment he got out on bail and all day Saturday. But Ebony was done done. And she told Malcolm that it was over several times throughout the day on Saturday. But the calls and texts would not stop. All of this is happening while Ebony is with her family on Saturday for a barbecue. They're playing spades and just having a good time. And she wanted to leave the drama with Malcolm on pause, at least for today. But Columbus, Georgia is not that big. In fact, its population is about 200,000 people. And as you can imagine, word travels fast about Malcolm's arrest. And when the family finds out, several of them confront Ebony at the barbecue to find out why Malcolm was in jail. Lakeithia peppers Ebony with questions, going down a list of possible offenses that Malcolm committed, all of which Ebony replies no to. But when Lakeithia asks if he pulled a gun on her, Ebony doesn't say yes. Instead, she replies simply by telling her cousin, if you know the answer, why ask the question? This reply puzzled me at first. And I think Ebony replies this way because the arrest and the charge were public record. And when you hear a charge like misdemeanor assault, well, that tends to bring up more questions than answers. On Sunday, March 11th, even though there is a restraining order in place, neighbors would later recall seeing Malcolm working on Ebony's car, but no one reports seeing anything unusual or concerning about their interactions between Ebony and Malcolm on that day. That afternoon, Ebony talks to Roderick and then at around 11 p.m., because Lakeithia is still not done with her line of questioning, Ebony talks to Lakeithia and her sister and they recall that Ebony was not her normal self during the conversation. I mean, 
It was as if someone was in the room listening to her conversation. When that call ends, it would be the last time anyone would see or hear from Ebony again. Once the police launch their search, they begin with her neighborhood and the woods near her home. And now that the family knows about the details of the abuse, they begin checking some of the places where Malcolm would just abandon Ebony, but there would be no sign of her. And if you're wondering if Malcolm is helping with the search, that would be a hard no, because the very same Monday when Ebony is reported missing, Malcolm is actually rearrested for violating his probation. The fact that Malcolm continued to contact Ebony after he was released on Friday put him back on the police's radar. And now that misdemeanor charge has turned into three felony charges, which include aggravated assault, aggravated stalking, possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime. It's important for me to mention that none of these charges are related to Ebony's disappearance, and they only focus on the altercation that Ebony reported to the police before she went missing. It's mere weeks into the search for Ebony, and as you can imagine, the Giddens family is in hashtag bring Ebony home mode, and they are taking every lead and tip and seeing it all the way through. But now, in what is by far their darkest hour, in a time when they are hanging on to hope, you have cruel people preying on their vulnerability. You see, a man, actually a former classmate of Ebony's by the name of Travis Gardner, posts a message on Facebook to the Giddens family. The Giddens family is using social media to attempt to communicate with Ebony, hoping she could at least see their messages and they begin pleading for her to come home. And Travis decides to reply to one of these posts and tells the family that he actually knows where Ebony is and that if they want her back, they would have to pay him $1 million. Travis continues to post messages that the family should not involve the police or he would cut Ebony into pieces and send her body parts one by one to the family. Now, I'm not exactly sure how bright Travis is because he's sending public post using his real name and advising the family not to contact the police. And one of the detectives on the case, Detective Joseph Jackson, actually replies to Travis and calls him by his full government name to tell him basically, have some respect for this family and for Ebony's kids. And so what does Travis do? 
well, I mean, the only thing he could think of. He doubles down on his ransom and demands $2 million for Ebony's release. Thankfully, no one was in a joking mood and Travis was swiftly arrested on charges of terroristic threats, intimidation, and criminal attempt theft by extortion. And he was also ordered to take a psyche valve. You can view photos of Travis and his Facebook post on thecostofcolor.com. Initially, I was not going to mention this incident because I did not want to give this foolishness more talk time. But it's an important topic to discuss because of what it represents. And that's time wasted trying to stop this man from playing jokes instead of her family and the police being able to dedicate all of their attention towards finding Ebony. This actually happens more often than you realize, but rightfully so, anytime a loved one has an audience, they use their platform to make pleas for their loved one and not waste time and energy exposing a scam artist. In national news coverage, of course, the volume of scammers is magnified, but even at a local level, you have people whose sole purpose is to capitalize on your grief and desperation. Some go to extreme lengths to appear authentic, like using artificial intelligence to clone someone's voice, which could be used as proof of life to convince you to pay them ransom money. There are others, like Travis, who clearly thought about the scheme all of five seconds before doing it. When you see the post, you know it can't be real, but in that moment, the Giddens and the police do not have the luxury to decide what's real or fake without vetting it. And so their attention is diverted away from Ebony to go down this unnecessary rabbit hole with Travis. And just as a side note, if anyone has a copy of this said psyche valve, hit me up. I would love to find out in total how many mental illnesses he's suffering from. After putting this extortion ordeal behind them, the family continues their ground search and they continue to make pleas online for anyone to come forward. But no new information comes up, at least nothing that has been made public. You see, one of Ebony's closest relatives, her cousin Ashley, she addresses the elephant in the room when she posts a message on social media, not only calling out Malcolm, but she throws another name in the mix, a woman by the name of Natasha Meadows. Ashley is convinced that both Malcolm and Natasha know something about Ebony's disappearance. 
There are rumors that Natasha, who goes by Tasha, actually has information about Ebony. And while she has even stated this fact to people, she has also said she is terrified of Malcolm. And for that reason alone, she refuses to cooperate. From the photos that I found, Tasha and Malcolm were a couple. I'm not exactly sure of the timeline of when they were dating in comparison to his relationship with Ebony, but Tasha is still in touch with Malcolm and talks to him on a regular basis. Outside of family members like Ashley, who constantly posts messages to the Columbus community and some directly to Ebony herself, there is no movement in the case for more than a year. And let me stop you right there because you are ready to email me and rattle off a list of unanswered questions about Ebony's cell phone pings, where was her car, and if it was processed, what was Malcolm's alibi? Was it Tasha? And has that alibi been vetted? Are the police applying pressure to Tasha to get her to talk? But in an effort to not sound like a broken record, I'm just going to refer you to previous episodes of The Cost of Color. Because believe me when I tell you, the answers are all the same. In October 2019, Malcolm finally goes to trial for those felony charges. And just when you think Malcolm can't surprise you by his actions, he manages to pull another rabbit out of his hat. You see, Malcolm actually decides to defend himself. Yeah, in a case where, if convicted, the combined charges carry a weight of 35 years in prison, he decides that he is the best choice to get him out of this. I mean, his life literally depends on what happens in this trial. But we all know the old saying about the man that represents himself. And the Giddens family has mixed emotions about Malcolm's choice. Some family members felt it was the quickest way to get a conviction because they were sure he would fall flat on his face. Other family members felt like he was making a mockery of the court and not taking the charges or the justice system seriously. But one thing they can all agree on is that they are hoping that during the course of this trial, that Malcolm will inadvertently incriminate himself in Ebony's disappearance. And that's just one of the reasons that the Giddens family showed up in full force every single day of the trial, filling up every single row behind the prosecution table. And the Jackson family? Well, actually no one from Malcolm's family 
showed up to support him during the trial. No family, no friends. And to the Giddens, this feels even more like a sign that something is off about Malcolm. I mean, if you felt that your son, nephew, cousin was innocent, then you would show up and support him, right? Although Ebony's family was hoping that Malcolm would slip up, it must have been difficult to be in that courtroom every day listening to the abuse that Ebony suffered. In fact, there were several family members who testified to what Ebony had told them happened during the assault. And it appears that Malcolm's defense was to not only deny the assault ever happened, but also to build up his character. Because when he cross-examines Lakeithia, he has her acknowledge under oath that she has never witnessed him being violent. But it doesn't matter because there is proof that while he was never violent in front of her family, the assault that landed him in jail and now on trial, it happened. And the proof? Well, it comes from Ebony herself in her own words. Ebony confided in her ex, Roderick, after the incident happened. And Roderick actually recorded the conversation. And that audio was played in the courtroom. And the silence that fell over the courtroom was so thick you could cut it with a knife as everyone listened to Ebony describe to Roderick how Malcolm put a gun to her head and threatened to blow off her ear and to blow her head off. The trial would last a week, and then Malcolm's fate was in the hands of the jury. On that very first day, the jury deliberated for two hours, and when they returned at 9 a.m. the next morning, it would be three minutes later that they would inform the judge that they had a verdict. With his head down, Malcolm listened as his fate was sealed because the jury found him guilty on all three charges. The assistant district attorney asked the judge to enforce the maximum sentence per charge. And during the sentencing phase, the judge did not disappoint because Malcolm Jermaine Jackson received the maximum sentence per charge and was sentenced to 35 years in prison. As of the recording of this podcast, he is approaching year four of his 35-year sentence. And I hope that the investigators are still putting pressure on him, even though he is already in prison. Because Ebony's family has hope And even though that hope is starting to fade, there's still that small chance that she will return to them. But for so many of them in their hearts, they know how Ebony felt about her boys and her family. And there's just no way she would have been away for so long.
Now, they are just looking for answers so that her kids will know and begin to heal. Ebony's oldest son, Marquise, was nine when his mother went missing and is now 14 and lives with his father. While RJ and Ryan, who were five and two at the time, are now 12 and seven, and they live with Roderick. Ebony's mom, Lisa, says she gets to see the boys every day and really just wants answers for her grandsons. I wanted to send a direct message to Tasha. I understand the fear that has kept you silent for so long. You, more than anyone, truly knows what he is capable of. But that's the point, you know. If you're worried about getting into trouble, ask for immunity. If you're worried for your safety, ask for protection. But holding on to such a dark secret for so long, it changes you. And if it hasn't already, it will eventually. The path to redemption for you starts with letting the words flow from your lips and don't stop until you have spoken your truth. Silence is not keeping you safe. In fact, it's the exact opposite. He has handcuffed you to him for life. And I'm telling you, you're stronger than you know. Right now, you're allowing someone with no power to have power over you. And as a result, you're serving this 35-year sentence with him until you choose to break his hold over you. To the Giddings family, don't stop doing everything that you can to keep Ebony's name on everyone's mind. Keep posting about her, Ashley. Keep celebrating her birthday, Lisa. And I pray that one day you find the peace that you deserve. If you have information about this case, please contact the Columbus Police Department at 706 653-3205. For more information about this case, visit us at thecostofcolor.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have information about this case and you are uncomfortable talking to the authorities, then talk to me. You don't know me, but my word is my bond and you will remain anonymous. You have my word that by contacting me, you have a safe and judge-free zone to tell me what you know. Email me at coldcases at thecostofcolor.com. The Cost of Color is a 1602 production.